Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, Good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? Well, I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. It's Saturday Suckage, and I emphasize in a rare spasm of lucidity, I emphasize Saturday more than suckage because you already knew it was suckage. You may not have known that it's Saturday. Every day feels like every day. It's all the same. Mark, this is Saturday Suckage. You and me, we're here for the people. We're here to show that we can suck so they don't have to. And that will take some doing. How are you, Mark Rohde? I am doing very well, and you've already reminded me of two songs just darted through my head during your intro when you said that every day feels the same. There's a Nine Inch Nail song called Every Day is Exactly the Same. And then you said, <laughs> you also said lucidity. And for some reason, this is what my brain did. I'm just telling you what it did. Maybe it's the quarantine. But it went to Queensryche and the song Silent Lucidity, which is a very gentle, loving song by Queensryche. So, yeah, your, your brain will do odd things during these uh, quarantine COVID-19 times. And that's what just happened to me. But we got a blast of a show planned today, Steve, don't we? Yes, we do. Allegedly. You know what? I, I, my days have become a, um, 
I've started watching more House reruns because I think he, Hugh Laurie's character is just brilliant. I love the, the brains of that show. And every movement I now make is puts me into the part of the House episodes where they would show you where the germs go and how it got into his oh. lower bowels. And they'd show you how this happens. And I start thinking this whenever I touch. Okay, I touched the refrigerator, but I opened the refrigerator. What did I do before that? Where was his hand before that? Does that mean the, the table is now unsanitary, but I touched the handle and I washed this? And how do we sanitize the hand sanitizer? So I, that's where I am doing this. But I know that it's Saturday. And, here and is isn't it strange? For... Isn't it strange to see anything that is not social distancing these days? Yesterday, I put up on my Twitter page a picture of the the celebration on Michigan Avenue of the Cubs winning the World Series title back in 2016 with people just wall to wall, elbow to elbow on Michigan Avenue, millions of people. And then right before we came on the air, for some reason, on my Twitter timeline, there was old school episodes of Family Feud. And for all you youngsters out there, Richard <laughs> Dawson, the former actor and talk show host or game show host, Richard Dawson was the host. And his thing was to kiss all the ladies gently on the lips before they would start the show and they would go through the introduction. So it's just jarring to see us living normally, even though in relative terms, none of this stuff's been going on that long. Um, it seems like it, though. Doesn't this seem like forever ago that the the Bears presented, or the Bulls presented um, their new ba executive vice president in charge of basketball operations. Turn the show time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that happened this week? Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem like it. So much attention has been ramped up on the last dance. And we will discuss that. And we will talk with Missy Isaacson. Uh, at 1 p.m., uh, she had my former colleague at the Tribune, and she's um, she's written a lot of stuff about the Michael Jordan Bulls. She wrote a book about the season after Michael Jordan left the first time, and we'll talk to her about that. So when you saw the Last Dance, and it got, and now it's ramping up, and you've seen a lot. Was there a picture in your mind, Mark? What whatever the the, the photograph is when you hear about the Bulls? repeat of a three-peat like a picture from the yeah is there a the snapshot games? in your mind that 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 jumps out at that for some I mean, people it's, Im it's, Im it's impossible if you're just talking about the 98 season it's impossible for me not to go right to jordan's final shot where he gives a little fake and maybe push to brian russell and then no, maybe makes about that it shot. No, maybe about it. All right, I'll I'll accept that after all these years, um, and then <laughs> and then I I guess I guess beyond Jordan and just the still shot of him going up, in that in the still shot, if you've seen it, and I'm sure you have, watching the faces of the fans in Utah in Salt Lake City, this kind of it's anxiety ridden. Um, it, there's an inevitability in their eyes. Like they kind of know the shots about to go down. It is true fear. It is like the climax of a horror film for the people in <laughs> Utah in that arena that night. So I guess those are the two things, just watching Jordan against the sea of fans behind the basket in Utah. What about you? Yeah. And, and there are, I, I, we had that picture framed in the basement that a, a blown a, po a poster size uh, of that shot. And there were, I would come to find out 
each there were several photographers who had different shot it at different moments and you could tell by the seconds counting down on the clock and the 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 one year the the most uh animated one and the most telling the one you're talking about was with about god was it five seconds left something there there was a the time that was left you could really see the 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 death march that jazz fans were about to embark on and one or two bulls fans who were there and that was really telling in that photo and he did push off on on brian russell who had um the the flu game brian russell didn't believe he was sick at all <laughs> he said I didn't he dropped 38 on us i don't think he was sick so um there was there was probably some sweet uh revenge exacted by jordan and have you read if you've read some of the reviews from people who were, had seen the first eight episodes, because they don't have the last two finished, the things that come out are some I, some I knew, um, and we all knew Steve Kerr got punched in the face, and Will Perdue was talking about how he and Jordan and would get into it. Everybody would get into it because Michael made everybody get into it. If you were around the Bulls at all, you knew that Michael Jordan's competitiveness was such that he was going to, you were either going to get tough or get out. And you'll see the way Scott Burrell is, is, is treated or the stories about him that he's, that Jordan would try to break everybody because he knew he needed to be able to depend on every player at the end and he needed to know he could depend on them in a game six a game seven with five seconds left it's not a surprise that the guy he punched in the face and gave a black eye to steve kerr was the guy he passed the ball to for a championship winning shot what a nightmare for scott burrell though like this whole thing because i'm sure it sucked for him then imagine having the 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 greatest player of all time perhaps and maybe the the most dynamic and interesting and popular athlete of all time really disrespecting you and not liking you and now he's got to relive it all and that'll be the stuff that people will be interested in to see another layer i always feel very possessive of the 90s bulls like they are ours as in they are chicago's and you are allowed to like them, too. When I say you, I mean people outside of Chicago and outside of Illinois and the Bulls listening audience. You're allowed to like them, too, but you're just borrowing Jordan. You're just borrowing the 90s Bulls. We'll tell you about MJ. We know he was over the top. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm, well, maybe I am. Maybe I am protective of the 90s Bulls, but it's funny that there's so much enthusiasm, like the kind of enthusiasm I have for this, and you too, having been around here, is at a 10. Well, it's the same way for somebody who is anticipating this in Atlanta, Georgia, or dare I say Salt Lake City, Utah, or anywhere around the country. The, everybody loves the, the Jordan Bulls. And uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a certain amount of uh, protection that I'm feeling for this uh, particular documentary. The uh, I don't think fans in Miami and New York would necessarily be looking forward to this, or they would not have adopted the Bulls the way things went, the way Jordan went through them. And 
Cleveland, uh, and too. that's good. That's that should help your your happy feeling of of being protective, but or or willing to embrace all people who love these bulls. And it really was a a phenomenal story. And I'm looking forward to seeing what I missed. And and one of the things I knew, for instance, is in being around this team and writing sports and doing that um, at at the time, the the Dennis Rodman issue was something that he would, by the third year, by the three-peat year, he was missing more practices. He was suspended more. He was, he was, they were changing all sorts of rules. And one of the things, I don't know if they'll go into it in the show, but one of the things, Phil, Phil Jackson had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, the entire team practice is restraining Rodman if he went off in a game. There was a, there was a, a, there were practices, there was a plan, there was a policy. Everyone had to be aware of that as Dennis increasingly became distant. And I knew they had to go to his house, or heard stories, they went to his house to try to get him, or his condo to try to get him up to come to practice. I did not know until I read one of the, one of the reviewers, maybe it was Richard Deich in The Athletic, that Michael Jordan went to Las Vegas to get him out of the room that he was sharing at the time with Carmen Electra, because they they wow. let him go. They not only let him get be away from the team. He went to Vegas, and Jordan had to go knock on the door and get him back to rejoin the team. So I'm looking forward to what I did not see. What are you looking forward to? What do you What do you Do you have any What are the questions you have that are that you hope will be answered? You know, there's. I don't know if there's anything like, first of all, I, I should say, I've kind of gone out of my way to not read too many of the reviews oh. because a lot of times the reviews will ruin what I think is just going to be, you know, almost like a movie and it's a true life movie. It's, well, obviously, it's a documentary. I, I have always had, as I'm sure a lot of people listening have always had, I've always had an insatiable appetite for the real Michael Jordan because We've always gotten glimpses of it, the stories, as you just told, of Steve Kerr getting punched, Will Perdue getting punched, his disrespect for Scott Burrell. But 80% of what we got from Michael Jordan off the court was just about as boring as could be. I mean, he, he did his job with the media, but he never said anything. He never said anything interesting. He never said anything real. So when I could see real moments with Michael Jordan and real moments with the way his teammates reacted to him, that's that's what I'm front and center for. That's what my appetite has always been for Jordan, the real Jordan, because he didn't let us in. He didn't let us in, which is, which is amazing to me that they did allow this camera crew to be a part of it. I do think that that stuff you're talking about, Rodman, sounds really interesting. One of the things about Dennis Rodman, that I, I always thought, and to this day think, is that Rodman is boring, like a really boring guy. He he played the part of a crazy person with some of his <laughs> antics and the way he would dress. And even back then, back then it was crazy to see a guy with pink hair. I mean, that was, whoa, you know, and the tattoos even had not really hit the way they are now. So he played the part physically of a crazy person. But then when he spoke, it was never anything interesting. So I do want to see if there's anything interesting that comes out of out of Rodman. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I just want to I want to see and hear the the realness 
from Jordan and this version of the Bulls as opposed to just the, the same old stuff that we always heard from him in his, in his press conferences? Well, you know, we kind of heard it in his Hall of Fame induction speech. True. We got, that was, that was the basest, Michael, we've seen. That was how we felt because those were real and imagined and, and in a lot of cases more real than imagined. But he would make stuff up about people in his mind as a form of motivation. Sometimes he didn't need it. And I'll give you some examples of what I knew the real Jordan was. And maybe it was a matter of access and maybe because he was, he was good to me as a columnist and he also understood. He was good to print people. He... From the start, he was always he always liked being around print people. He liked talking with them. There was that give and take. Uh, he knew he knew what everybody did in the media. That was just like he knew every where everybody was on the court, and he was um, he knew who would get his his side of the story out when he wanted it to get out, and he knew the for one example was when Jeff Van Gundy was on the score, and I believe it was with the Heavy Fuel Crew. And Jeff Van Gundy uh, was coaching the Knicks and talked about, or assistant coach, I can't remember. But I know he used the phrase con man, that he thought Jordan was a con man. And what he meant was Jordan would, would you know, pick you up off the floor or see after a game, and he would tell players, hey, man, you're really playing well, you're really doing this, you talk you up, and you'd feel great that the best player in the game said that to you. And then he'd go and cut your heart out. And Jeff Van Gundy used the phrase con man. I took Michael Zamora, the producer of the show, sent me a, a cassette. I got a cassette. I transcribed it word for word. I went out to practice early. I, I knew when they were practicing in the morning, and I went to the Birdo Center, and he stopped, and I said, I have to read you something. And I read it to him word for word. And the first two words out of his mouth, one was a verb, and the other one was the word him. And he said, you can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, then he would proceed to drop a fifty burger on Jeff Van Gundy's Knicks that night. <laughs> so he he, he, he let it out. And there was another time where, if, and you're right, largely the, the comments that you would get, you knew there was something truer behind it. But one of the things, I, I did. I was asked by some people when they saw this was coming out, are you going to be, are we going to see you in there with, you know, maybe more hair? And I said, I don't know. Most of the time when I was around Jordan, I was there early and I walked down the United Center hallways with him and he'd let me walk with him and mid the security. And if I had questions, he'd answer them. And one of the questions I asked was, because Jerry Krause told me that Phil was only going to, I think he said, I think Phil, everybody knows Phil's only going to coach two more years. That's all he said he wants to do. And nobody knew that. And mm -hmm. so I went to Michael with it because he had three years left on his contract. And I said, Kraus told me this. And then he got whisked into the locker room. But Michael Jordan came back out amid a crowd and whispered to me, if Phil's not coaching, I'm not playing. So we had a headline for the next day's Tribune. So Michael would be, he would tell you that depending what the situation was. But I think by and large, you're right. You wouldn't get, you're, you're going to about, you're about to see something that's, more real than you probably saw on the three minutes of news that you would watch in your nightly news back when, when your local news was actually something and there were actually sports to report on and stuff like that. So yeah, Mike, Michael Jordan I, was he he was the he knew he was the star 
and everybody else around him was just an opportunity cost. You know, if he had to walk <laughs> over you, he had to walk over you. If he had to use you, I mean, hell, he even used Steve Kerr. You know, here, here's here's the ball. You must make this three. You know, mm-hmm. uh, John John Pack said, yes, I'm going to pass you the ball, but you got to make it for me. This is for me. Everything is for me. Uh, and that was okay with everybody watching. I, was, I also wonder, too, and this might be a good question for Melissa Isaacson when we have her on, is that, and I don't know if any players would ever admit this, but there had to have been players on the Bulls who, there's no way you could say anything, just considering the godfather power that he had, that Jordan had, but there had to have been guys who didn't like Jordan, who didn't like playing with him, who found him to be a pain in the ass, um, probably did things that they would like to to let out but couldn't because they know the power of Michael. And when you have every single fan, you know, complicit on Jordan's side, you just, you're just not going to win. I, yeah, that would be a hard thing to say. Bill, Bill Lennington in the athletic today did a Q and a with um, Darnell Mayberry. And uh, he did say that he knew what Michael was doing. Nobody wants to be yelled at. Nobody wants to be abused, but it, again, it comes back to he's Michael Jordan and you're not. And right. he's if this is what if this is how hard and how intense the best player in the game is, then I better raise the my level as well. And nobody, no, nobody wants to call be called out in front of your peers. Bill Bill Wellington does a really good job of describing it. Something else else about this piece, I don't remember ever seeing Bill Wellington with his camcorder. Kids, ask your parents. But he says he's got a camcorder of The Last Dance, his version of it. Remember how Eric Karros famously had video of the 2003 Cubs how he sure. would t- and never let anybody see it? And the producers mm-hmm. of, this, of this documentary of The Last Dance sat with Wennington for two or three hours and asked him for that video from his camcorder, and he said, no, it's mine, it's hmm. private, I'm going to keep that. So just like Eric Karros, when uh, the 2003 Cubs did not allow that to be, has, to my knowledge, has never allowed that to be seen by anybody uh, or as publicly as um, the producers of this, The Last Dance, wanted to show, wanted Weddington to show it. So I haven't, I don't know what's on Bill's, but Bill's camcorder, but that's got to be some dynamite stuff. That's, that's priceless. Um, oh, so, okay, so... Did I tell people what we're doing? We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, and we're Saturday suckage. Uh, and I emphasize Saturday so you know what day it is. Uh, our tech zone, 67011, is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Top of the hour at noon, we'll talk with Gene Honda. Mark, we're going to talk with Gene Honda. Gene Honda is going to say things. The busy, the, the the man who says all kinds of things all over your television, especially in April, hasn't said a thing. But he's going to say things to us. That's is cool, he going to say Frank Thomas? We're we're going to work on that. We have a Saturday Sucket Show has a plan uh, for Gene so he can talk and raise money for the good cause of helping fight the COVID-19 virus, and we'll go into that. And as I said, 1 p.m., we'll talk with Missy Isaacson. And um, we need to do, what are you doing, Wegner? 
What are you doing, Wagner? To find out what you've been doing during this quarantine, what I've been doing, what other people have been doing, especially David Wells, this is really something. And maybe we can include our, li- our listeners, our callers, and what they've been doing. What are you doing, Wagner? Should we do that? Or do we need to bring in Adam Stadzinski, our producer, who felt bad that he wasn't included in our Twitter production meeting? Adam, you there? Yeah, what's up? Do we have any breaking phone calls? Uh, not yet. We just got someone calling in, so I'll have to get them screened. But it's in, what, what, here's the question, though, I have for you guys, because I have two different options for us to handle this when we have a breaking phone call. So there's this sounder. Short and sweet to the point. And then there's this one. So what is, is that a Star Wars outtake? No, no, it's not. I swear it's not. <laughs> oh, I, I can think do the here's the answer. If you want, here's the answer. Here's the answer. I think we go with number two, and then when the caller comes on, bring the bed down slightly, and we continue with the music under the caller to make the caller interesting, even if he's not interesting, because that's oftentimes what music does. It 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 directs you to interest it's like a laugh track it tells you something is funny even if it's not so adam steve what do you guys think about that i, I like that. i'm i'm you're an artiste mark you are a, an audio artiste thank you that was going to be my suggestion as well the second one because i feel like it's it's slightly more over the top which is how we like to do things on this show <laughs> okay <laughs> now you're getting into the swing of things. Hey Adam, were you really were you really mad at us because we oh, didn't no, include I don't you? Care. Okay, has, I couldn't tell. I wasn't sure if you were like he has separation or... anxiety. I think that he's trying to cover up for. So we'll have to oh, take clearly. that into consideration. Are you kidding, man? You guys love not having to deal with us in the studio. Just be honest, Adam. Yes, yes. Most of the producers prefer this. Yeah, I think that there's two different things because yes, it's it's it's. Nice to, I guess, just be here by yourself and not have to worry so much about other things going on around you. But at the same time, you know, you're dialing up these lines and you're coordinating with the host like, hey, you're going to be on, on this line and you're going to be on this line and making sure that everyone gets disconnected and then reconnected and making sure the lines are clear. So that's a bit of a pain. So I will be glad when that's over. And plus, okay. I mean, I like seeing all you guys smiling faces as well, which is always great. Kind of, sometimes. And I had pizza today for you, Adam, but I'm not near you, so I can't. Oh, That's what, what the Adam hell, man? This is the pizza. Yeah. I'd mail it to you, but um, they're going to defund the post post office. So, And, um, and I, I don't know what to do about that. All right. We'll take a break. I'll give you our phone number, 312-644-6767. And we'll come back with, what are you doing, Wagner? And Mark will update us on his podcast and I will update you on um, sports and pornography because I think it's really important. <laughs> and Saturday Suckage rolls. I have some news from the WB Club later because that's just what we do. That's who we are. That's why we are. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. To done. What job? Oh, oh what are you doing? He threw him out of the ball game. you got to be beeping me. What in the hell are you doing? What are you doing, Wagner? you got to be kidding me. That is so bad. That is absolutely brutal. That's incredible. That is unbelievable. I'll tell you what. They have got to start making guys be accountable. That is totally absurd. That just tells you he has blue. Here's an umpire in the American League knows nothing about the game of baseball. That's unbelievable. We have always had problems with this guy right here. Welcome in. Welcome back. Welcome to uh, week two of our new segment called What Are You Doing, Wagner? Mark and I decided we would... We would decide, we decided we would find out what everybody's doing, what's going on with the quarantine, with the isolation during this terrible time. And there's so many interesting things going on. So um, Mark is doing a podcast and this would be week two, right, Mark? Yeah. First of all, Adam Sidzinski, I hear you, man. Nine inch nails every day is exactly the same. Beautiful. I'm glad so, you picked up on that. I did not. I, know. I did not know. I wouldn't know. That's okay, man. Reich. I wouldn't know Queens like <laughs> if it if it knocked on the door and tried to shake my hand, and I would refuse. Hauling next to me, silent lucidity. It's very churchy. Okay, so I have a podcast that I am producing and co-hosting with my friend Brian Mitchell, who used to be a traffic reporter here in, in Chicago. Now he's a big voice guy in Minnesota. He's one of those guys whose voice you hear in commercials. We are doing a podcast called Let Me Put a List Together, and it is very <laughs> simple. They are topics about which we are passionate. I don't know why I'm talking like Will Ferrell from the Jeopardy thing. <laughs> All you have to do is say the number five, and you will win the game. <laughs> the day is mine, Trebek. I don't know why I went into that, but I did. Um, okay, so anyway... Yeah, we do topics about which we are passionate. In On our first episode, we did 90s Saturday Night Live. Episode 2, which is up and running right now, is about our favorite and some of our least favorite late-night talk show hosts like the Lettermans and um, Conan O'Briens of the world, the Jimmys, the Kimmels, the Fallons, all, everybody, Arsenio Hall, Chevy Chase. We go back to all of these cats. So we put our own list together, one Jenga style, and then our personal list as well. So the, the podcast is up and running. 
free links for you if you'd like uh, on the top of my Twitter page, top of my Facebook page, and then it's on all the podcast places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, places like that. So, yeah, man, got a podcast up and running and feeling pretty good about it. Make a list, start an argument. That's uh, one of the rules, one of the rules in uh, sports media. Okay, so Jack Buck, you might know, has been doing random play-by-play. People would send him videos, and he would keep in practice by doing play-by-play of, like, two dogs fighting over a stick or two young toddlers doing something, right? Have you seen some of those? Have you heard Jack Buck doing any of this, Mark? Yes. Okay. You mean Joe Buck? Joe Buck, I meant. I'm sorry. God, if it's Jack Buck, we got a story. Yeah, it's Joe Buck. All right. Moment of silence. Saturday Second is here for a reason. So, Darren Rovell of the Action Sports HQ tweeted out, a porn site says it will pay Joe Buck $1 million to announce its cam shows live. The site is also accepting applications from other national and local sports commentators. So that's interesting right there. But Joe Buck, being Joe Buck, responded on Twitter. He retweeted it with a comment. Depending on the site, they could just be handing some of my money back to me. (laughs) So I'll hold out for a better offer and try to hold on to my day job. But I have to say, I'm flattered. So that's what Joe Buck has been doing. Thank you, Steve, for bringing this up today because I saw that yesterday and I thought that Joe Buck's response was maybe the best tweet I've ever seen on Twitter. Is, I was yeah. I was arguing to shut the whole website down after that. And did you see the quote he gave that he gave Sports Illustrated? It's arguably better. No, I did not. I just saw this this tweet. That was more than enough because Joe Buck is like everybody seems to hate he Joe Buck gets the Marv Albert treatment. He he hates my team. You know, everybody thought Marv Albert, you watch the the last dance and everybody that can that completes a decade of everybody thinking Marv Albert hated the Bulls because he was the Knicks broadcaster and nothing was better than for Marv Albert than having the Bulls win because they were great ratings. And Joe Buck was oh he doesn't want the Cubs to win. He hates the Cubs. And really? Cubs in a World Series? You don't think that that would be great for Joe Buck? So I thought that that is the Joe Buck that I know. What did he say to Sports Illustrated? Okay, so I just just pulled it up. So this was Sports Illustrated. He gave a quote to one of their writers whose name I've blanked on, but I do have the quote here. So I am highly qualified as I have been practicing these calls for most of my life, but I don't want to just take the job without a proper open audition. So if they get Jim Nance and Al Michaels and Mike Tirico and all the others who do what I do to audition, I'm in. If any one of them say no, I'm out. That's all I can commit to at this time. I can say I have never been more flattered, and I know my dad would be proud. <laughs> that's what. That's excellent. That is just great. So, by the way, for people listening to um, what are you doing, Wagner? We invite you to join in on this segment as well at 312-644-6767 or on the text line. We'll read your texts at 670-112. And I would like to read a follow-up text message from my podcast because it was <laughs> this is some feedback that I was hoping I would not get as it pertains to the, the list of late-night talk show hosts that Brian Mitchell and I assembled because I knew it was something that we had forgotten and dropped the ball on. This from the 773. Mark, 
Um, as for let me put a list together, talk show hosts, you guys totally struck out on neglecting Craig Ferguson and Stephen Colbert and for including Chevy Chase and Pat Sajak. Bad form. Regardless, I love your work and will continue to follow your podcast. Thanks, Gabriel, in in Lincoln Square. You're right. I, I make no apologies for including Pat Sajak and Chevy Chase because it made for good conversation. But the fact that that we did not have Steve, neither Stephen Colbert nor Craig Ferguson on the list was was a glaring error. And I'll just you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna take it and just I'm gonna say that was not my fault. That was my partner Brian Mitchell's fault. You take no responsibility. No. All right, guys, our first breaking phone call. Oh, well, let's take it then. Breaking phone call. Who do we have, studs? Introduce him to the audience. So this is Jeff coming from Midway. This is actually going back to a bit of his Jordan feelings, but I thought it was worth taking. All right, Jeff, welcome to the score. Thank you for delivering this breaking phone call. (laughs) Thanks a lot, guys. You know, I'm calling because I'm just a little curious. Uh, If anybody else feels the same way I do, obviously I'm very interested and excited about seeing uh, the last dance video. However, I can't help but also feel just a little bit of sad and just a little bit of depression because it takes me back to that time where, you know, it could have possibly carried on. But even more than that, the first eight or nine years Michael was in the league, I mean, he was Chicago's. He wasn't the world's yet. And not only that, Michael would most times in his press conferences say how he plays for the people of Chicago. He wins for the people of Chicago. And then after 98, he's ripped from Chicago's scene and pretty much has not been back since then. And that's the thing that kind of depresses me is, you know, we were so entrenched and so hand-in-hand with Michael and his playing that once that was gone, you know, it left a little bit of a void. And to be honest with you, it still does for me today. And I was just wondering, what are you guys thinking about that? And am I alone? I always said the same thing about, they could have gone another year because it was a it was a shortened year, work stoppage year. They could have, even as old in their mid thirties, they could have done it again. They probably they they had a good chance to win it again. It would have been a seven peep, my friend. Um, it would have been it it would have been possible because they would have had half the year off. And I always thought that was just an an awful way for and and and. Both sides were Phil, Phil Jackson's side, Jerry Krause and the Bulls side. It, it was they were all at fault. They just the greater good, whatever was going on. If your idea is to win, the the Bulls breached that when they start when everybody started finding out about Tim Floyd and he was the guy in waiting. And and they admit, I believe they they admit in the Bulls management admits in this documentary that they were thinking of. What can they do to rebuild and not be the team that goes completely flat and sits at the bottom, which has interesting resonance now? I don't. Yeah, know. and would... and from the the emotional level about which he was speaking to, I, I'm completely with the caller. Yeah, as I said earlier, I feel very possessive of of the Bulls. They they are ours. They are Chicago's. You're allowed to like them too, but just remember, they are Chicago's. And the point he was making about about Jordan being gone since, like, he, he's right. I mean, Jordan has not been present. He obviously came back to the United Center in a Washington Wizards jersey, but he, he does not, 
he he doesn't like he he's never played a part in the Bulls organization since then, and the it was really obvious during All Star Weekend this year, which was terrific for the most part. But the one big part that it was missing was Michael Jordan, and that that said everything. So although he is we look at him as ours. It seems like he, he, his real roots are North Carolina because that's kind of where he went and that's the team that he owns and that's the those are the people that he calls his, even though he knows <laughs> anytime he needs the, the fan meter at a 10, he just steps into Chicago. Don't forget this as well. As said by Kevin Garnett, one of the one of the oracles um, who was influenced by Jordan and what he meant and and a champion himself with the Celtics. He told Teddy Greenstein of the Tribune that players around the league know and talk, and if you ever wondered what the reasons are that no great superstar has ever come to Chicago, in part, for some of them, to whatever degree, is because Michael Jordan was not given an equity stake in the Bulls. That's what Garnett said. And Garnett was, was characterized by saying, Here's the thinking of somebody. I'm so great, but they didn't give him a piece of the action. If they don't give the best, the GOAT, a part of the team, then what chance do I have in carrying on here? And that stuck with Garnett and players of his era and has undoubtedly been handed down because that's still being said, still being felt. I don't know if anything changes with the new guy. Uh, I'm just telling you, don't forget that. If you wonder why Jordan's been absent, he doesn't own a piece of the team. Had he been given a piece of the team or been allowed to buy in? And maybe Michael Jordan, I think, Mark, you said it last week. We discussed this or two weeks ago. Maybe he just wanted too much. We don't know what, the, what, what that talk was like. And maybe Michael Jordan just thought he should have a bigger voice than, 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 and a bigger piece than whatever he was I'm not even sure he was willing to buy it. Maybe he just expected it. I, I used to say of him, Michael Jordan won the toss in life and expected to receive. <laughs> well, and chose it's amazing. to receive all... and largely has. Yeah, and and all those things, like what you were saying about Kevin Garnett, the the peripheral comments made by Dwayne Wade in in the past about the Bulls organization before he, of course, signed with the Bulls on a two year contract, all those things that we don't want to think are true superstars not coming to chicago because of the 90s bulls and that jordan pippen tint and maybe they've sort of set a silent agreement with a lot of the stars like don't do this we hate to think about the possibility that some of that stuff is true and i know a lot of people have completely dismissed that possibility and have have thought it crazy and silly and just an excuse well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very possible that there is some truth to, to all of that as to why the Bulls organization has been treated as such and the only superstar, true superstar that they've had since, since Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen was Derrick Rose, and that was via very lucky coin flip, or not coin flip, but just very lucky percentages in the NBA lottery. Before we break, we do have to take a break. I did want to mention this as part of what are you doing, Wagner? And we can do this again next hour because there's much more to be had in items around the world in this pandemic. David Wells, former White Sox pitcher, yeah. he tweeted this out. I have two unused N95 replica baseball cup masks for auction. <laughs> Ew. Highest, highest bidders. 
go to Perfect 33 Foundation to pay for it, to bid on it, and he'll ship it. Let's do the auction here on Twitter, and we'll close the auction 6 p.m. Saturday night. So that's 6 p.m. tonight. All the money goes to first responders. Some of you asked, here it is. And what he has done is taken two of his cups, two of his baseball cups, out of their jock. And he has written on them, may this new COVID-19 mask keep you safe. And he signed David Wells right above the standard three holes. And this, of course, is one of the cups that is outlined in the 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 rubber cushioning he took his baseball cups and he's auctioning them off for the first responders it's for a good cause what gross i'm just saying the money goes for a good cause i would say wear gloves and a hazmat suit you know you can't rationalize everything as a good cause but really quickly from the 515 um because this this is to our little bit i'm building my son a chicken coop and it's big, it's the biggest pain in the ass ever uh, from the 773. The caller hit on a real feeling. Michael was Chicago since 2000. Um, he hasn't been Chicago at all. So we're, we're reading your text messages. We'll get to some more of them here in just a little bit at 670-11. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The days do seem to run into each other, don't they, Mark? I know you got the whole, we discussed this before, but it just really seems more and more Saturday is we are, we are givers, not takers, because we're letting you know what day it is. I know. And I really like, do think people struggle with that. It, it, no, really, it's it's true. And my thing throughout all this, because of, of boredom and a different boring routine that exists is, you know, is it time to eat yet? You know, is, is 4.30 too early to have dinner? You know, it's not like for I'm living, me. In, in, right? I mean, it's no. like, let's, yeah. let's change. I'm, I'm living like the the 80-year-old lifestyle here. I'm, I'm taking walks. I'm eating at 4.30. I'm going to bed at 8.30. It's not bad, actually. I kind of like it. I'm preparing myself for later in life. Uh-huh. Now, the problem is when I try to desperately try to stay up past 9, I'm still getting up around 4 o'clock. That still happens. So I've become a fan of mid-morning naps. They're very helpful. I'm, I would I would pass that along to people. Can um, I ask you this about naps, Steve? Like when you take a nap, is it do you actually get into the bed under the covers for a nap, or is it a natural occurrence? Uh, it is un, in the bed, under the covers. It's whatever whatever sleep routine I can mimic from the one I didn't get the night before, not enough of. So I'm trying to make up for it. So that's yeah. it. So you pull a blanket I can't really commit to, I, I, I have trouble committing Why? to naps. Like if I, no, I can take a nap, but I have to, it has to be a couch nap. Like the couch has to seduce me and take me away into itself. If I actually take the energy to unmake my bed and get into the bed and set an alarm, there's just something in my brain that won't allow me to fall asleep, except for when I was 
doing the, the old Mully and Hanley and then Mully and Hall morning show on the score when I would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Then I had no problem getting back under the covers and going to bed. But for now, the, and, and there's nothing to me, there's nothing more beautiful than the natural couch nap when you're watching TV and it's just interesting enough that you're watching it, but but not that interesting. So it takes you away and it sucks you under. And then you take like a two hour nap and it's just a beautiful feeling. Steve, See, thank you. Grody, I'm with you. I think that a nap is better if it just kind of happens on accident when you're watching TV or something. Organic. Or, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, something organic because like, or even if you know you're going to fall asleep and you say, I'm just going to lay down on the couch. Like a lot of times when, yeah, like when I fill in for like Ray Diaz on the morning show, I'll have to take a nap after that, that shift because I'm usually I go to sleep at 3.30 in the morning, not wake up at 3.30. So it's just it doesn't work for my schedule at all. Not that I don't like doing it. But anyway, I, I, that is like the best nap because I'll get home and I'll lay down on the couch to say, OK, I know I'm going to fall asleep, but I'm going to put on this TV show and it's going to be awesome. And I'll wake up two hours later and feel great. Right. And there's no better feeling really in life than that. Those few seconds before you know you're about to fall asleep, you're still awake. But you're also completely aware that you're about to fall asleep because your brain has finally stopped talking to you. Your muscles are relaxed and you're going to go. You're going to go. It's a great feeling. All right. Uh, amid all this talk of falling asleep, we hope you're still awake here <laughs> Saturday seconds. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios. Hyundai would like you to be awake for this and we would like you to be awake for our next segment. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be talking with Gene Honda, the busiest PA man in history, has no public address announcing to do, and we'll talk to him about that, and we will give him an idea of what he might do as, uh, as a way of raising money to help first responders or people who need, need food be either the White Sox or Blackhawks or both of their foundations that are helping out with the, the fight against COVID-19. So he's Mark Grody. Wake up. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Still awake. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.